1: Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go.
0: For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves.
2: When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and
0: that's where you become empowered courageous participation attracts positive things i'm gwyneth paltrow and this is the goop podcast where we bring together visionaries scientists healers artists and seekers i'm so grateful that i get to interview these extraordinary thought leaders and share their wisdom with you and i love listening to the conversations that are led by my co-host and dear friend cleo wade cleo is a beautiful poet and author I deeply admire her and the way she keeps her heart open to the world. Together, we believe that engaging in open-minded, honest, and sometimes difficult conversations has the power to change our lives. All right, over to Cleo.
2: My guest today is someone who I love and adore so much. When I was first asked to co-host this podcast, Gwyneth asked me who I was most looking forward to talking to. And I told her I was really excited to have my friend Aminatu Sao on to talk about friendship. And when I wondered if I could actually pull this off, part of how I dreamt or walked myself there was envisioning this conversation. So I'm very excited to share it all with you today. Aminatu Sao is the New York Times best-selling author of Big Friendship: How We Keep Each Other Close which she co-wrote with her friend, Ann Friedman. They also hosted and produced the amazing podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, for more than a decade. Today, we did what we do. We talked about what it really takes to create bonds for the long haul. And just like our friendship, today's conversation is hearty, honest, and full of laughter. Okay, let's get to Aminatou Sao. You know, I'm a. I'm so grateful that you came on, and I have big friendship. And I actually have this off back because I love this. Oh, weekend.
1: you're so sweet to me. But big
2: friendship was a book that really impacted me. Like the the definition of big friendship, which is you define big friendship. Big friendship is a bond of great strength, force, and significance that transcends life phases, geography, and emotional shifts. It is large in dimension, affecting most aspects of each person's life. It is full of meaning and resonance. A big friendship is reciprocal, with both parties feeling worthy of each other and willing to give of themselves in generous ways. A big friendship is active, hearty, and almost always a big friendship is mature. Its advanced age commands respect and predicts its ability to last far into the future. That definition of friend, I, you know, as somebody who takes friendship so seriously, I would go so far as to say, I am obsessed with friendship. I'm obsessed with its healing powers. I'm obsessed with the way that it is at times, the only thing that feels safe and it's such an unsafe world. And, and, and as at times, the only thing that state feels stable in really destabilizing energies around us, whether that's environmentally or in our own family, my chosen family and, and my friends have always been the way I've gotten through almost anything that was tough to get through. And so I first want to thank you for, for putting it into words because it really was so validating for me. And I'd mm-hmm. love to just kind of know the process, I guess, around how you and Anne came to that definition. I mean, obviously you're an incredible writer in, in so many mediums, but it was that something you kind of worked on almost the way a mathematicians working on a theory kind of thing?
1: Ah, uh, Cleo, you're just like so perceptive. And so I'm feeling a little emotional, like even answering your question, like you're, when you said that it was very validating for you, that made me very emotional because mm. I think that looking back on it now right it's like that book has been out for three years which if you don't know about like how the publishing process works it's like three years is probably the same amount of time that it takes you to make a book so that book yeah. has been percolating yeah. for you know I guess yeah. now I'm like wow like, more than half a decade and so in some ways I feel really far away from the person who wrote it and in other ways I'm like know, mm. oh, that's exactly who I am and so you know, I wrote that book with Anne Friedman, who is my big friend. She's my longtime collaborator in a lot of mediums. And I think that, you know, the definition was so important for us to nail because Anne and I are both words people. We are words people to our core. You also are a word person. And I think that's something that is really you know, like, speaking for myself, like, something that I find very frustrating when I'm processing my emotions is when I don't have language to put to it, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand what's going on in my body, I understand what's going on in my mind, but if I don't know how to explain it, it, it truly, it starts to drive me crazy, and I think that so much of the language of friendship generally is very infantilizing, it's very, mm-hmm. oh, you meet someone on the playground, or, you know, like, female friendships, like, isn't that very cute, or, yeah you know friendship takes this big backstay this big like step back it's like friendship really is it's a relationship that is not as celebrated or not taken as seriously as you know like other other bigger bonds specifically like family bonds and I think that that is or and and or romantic bonds yeah and especially romantic bonds you know and some of that I think is it's fully like capitalism does that it's like well the the government and the state and religion is very invested in people having you know having strong family units and small children blah 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 like that's the sinister side of it but the non-sinister side of it is I'm like well actually also capitalism makes it really hard for us to have time to tend to the various relationships in our lives and and because we have these social scripts I think like you know romantic relationships are super celebrated family bonds are talked about in this way that's really important friendship just is kind of hanging out there in the ether but as you say it's a relationship that's important to a lot of people
2: and it's the it is the safety net for a lot of people
1: yes oh that's most people when
2: they are you know when my friends are going through breakups or divorce Mm -hmm. or incredible grief it is always this kind of circle of friendship that has woven a net for them to rest in be in and and, and that they are held by in that moment
1: fully fully it's like at your most vulnerable your safety net can be your friendships and what is terrifying about that is that here is you know this fabric that is supposed to be very strong but what happens if you're not really tending to it or you're not thinking Mm -hmm. about it as intentionally as you do for other things and so it's funny that you use that language of like the you know like a math equation earlier when you were asking me but I do think that, yeah, it's like, Anne and I are very nerdy. We sat down. We, you know, our friendship is long and it's big. And like all bonds, it's it is complicated, you know? Yeah. And I think that we were both really trying to sit down and understand, like, what, what are we doing here? Because we did some things that were, like, very, looking back on it now, like, very countercultural, but didn't realize that we were doing them, you know? Like, for... Like, for a long time, we were each other's, like, dates to weddings. I'm like, you don't need a social escort that's, like, a man. Or we would give gifts together. You know, on one hand, that's very cute. But on the other hand, it's like, hi, I can't afford to go to the social event alone. And I really mean, like, afford financially. And we're not, like, dating anyone. So, like, let's go together. It's like, you really kind of start to retool your life around, like, how do I be a person in the world who is myself and also not someone who has to depend on my romantic bonds or my familial bonds to do all of the work for me. One thing that you do that I always really appreciate and love, and I think that it's like creating this language around that, like, anytime we see each other, and it's been a long absence, you ask me about the important people in my life, and sometimes, like, a lot of times that is friends, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that is very normalized. Like, in the way that people go, oh, how's your... How right, is your parent right. doing? Or how is your spouse right. doing? And really being like, oh, how are your big friendships doing? Yeah, yeah. And even that is just putting language and recognizing that, like, for some people, these are the important people in their life. And so, so much of I think solving this problem, the problem of, like, okay, how do I put my friendships at the forefront, is a problem of language and it's a problem mm-hmm. of vocabulary.
0: Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers, and now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host.
2: One of the questions I get asked the most, and, and at times I feel such a desire to want to solve, but it's. It's also hard when you're like, okay, but I'm like a writer who writes, I don't know how to solve, what yeah. people are calling the friendship recession. Although I want to, because it's something that is so deep in my core values that I truly love friendship. And I think the ultimate gift everyone should have. I think that if you could fall in love with, you know, one or 10 friends in your whole life, that would be, I, I'd say the gift I'd tell my daughters, just find great friends. I don't think I'd even say find the love of your life in
1: like a partner before I'd say find a good I friend. know, but for me, okay. the great loves of my life have been my friends, you know? When I really sit down and I I look at it as we hurdle towards middle age, I really look at it and I was like, wow, I was like some of my most like deep and I would say like some of them like very romantic yeah. moments have been with friends, you know, that doesn't take away from the, the, the wonderful partners that I've had. Simon
2: and I, we, you know, we met and, and we were very soon after we met pregnant and together and having this family. Mm. And, and when people ask me about it, I'm like, you know, I felt that we were friends. Like I felt that I, what I actually had found the most amazing friend. And I felt the friendship that I felt with my other friends, that it was a similar feeling I'd felt to being with my other Mm. big friends and
1: I dated it. (laughs) I mean, imagine not being friends with the (laughs) romantic part. It's like, I think about it now and I'm like, oh, that's awful.
0: But that is not
1: the intention that a lot of people bring to it. So that's true. Some of that also is because the connection is something that has to be worked on constantly. Right. It's like, we have that language of like marriage is hard work and, and that's true. It's true. It's like you have to show up every day. Yeah. You, you have to stretch yourself. You have to be flexible. Yeah. You have to be open, receptive. Well, it turns out friendship is the exact same way yeah. where you have to work. And also there's there's very little research on friendship. That was something yeah. that was really, like we were so bummed when we were looking that up. You know, you're just like, if you look at research on like any other kind of like big bond, it's it's everywhere. It's just like there's social science galore. And with friendship, there was so little of it.
2: And what's really interesting right now, and tell me if you notice this too, there are so many articles around loneliness and mm-hmm. not a lot around friendship. <laughs> so like, I think we're just talking yeah. about like this idea of the friendship recession, but there's still five articles total on it all at like the New York Times. And, yeah. and there's a million, uh, loneliness is the epidemic, 40% of the world says they're lonely, something, something, loneliness, like depression, this, anxiety, this all tying it to loneliness and there's nothing around meeting friends making friends that the, the, right, the right. how to treat a friend value systems within friendship that make it them sustainable and right it's like the same time. problem just
1: a different lens every time they look at it well but here's the thing right it's like loneliness is a perfect example i like people are lonely i I am someone who knows a lot of people. You are someone who knows a lot of people. We have a lot of friends. I experience loneliness a lot. And, you know, and I think that it also really challenged me to think about the definition of loneliness, you know, that I really stick to is that it's not not having friends. It's actually the gap that you are experiencing between your relationships and Mm. how you are feeling in them. You know, Mm. a lot of times what the, the work that loneliness requires is like reaching out to people that are that are around you because I think that's something that I am really trying to combat is also this idea that having healthy friendships or being a good friend means that you have multiple friendships. Actually, that's right. very hard. Very it's hard. also a very modern idea. Honestly, it's like, if you look at even a generation before us, it's like people just know fewer people for us, yeah. it's like because of technology because of travel or like who you are in the world or whatever you end up. Or even this shows
2: you that the, 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 the totally. current generation of adults grow up on whether that was, you know, being in your early twenties or teens, watching Sex and the like City, like Sex or, and the City. I say that all the time. I'm like, I, I literally That's like <laughs> when I was when I was paying attention to the world like more, you know, and in my teens, yeah. I everything I saw was living single, and you know, and then there was this boom of like friendship comedies or buddy right. buddy this or you know even being older and and bridesmaids coming out, all these things.
1: And you write about that in the book too, like the idea of like squads. That again, it's like very reductive and like infantilizing to the bonds that we have. And I think that, you know, some of it was definitely a trend. It's like the, your squad is big and it's whatever. But if you really sit down to start looking at how those bonds are, it's very tenuous. And something that was also interesting, actually, in the very little research that was there is kind of like romantic relationships. Friendship has a seven year turnover. Every seven years, people and that's like, and it honestly, if you think about it, it makes sense. It's like Yeah, I would you know, say, you go I would from high how school had... to early adulthood. Yeah. I actually
2: was talking to my therapist about this semi-recently about how things just change so much and the friendships change so much. And and I I wrote about kind of a little bit about mm-hmm. friendship breakups in my new book. And yeah. it's like I was saying that I was like, wow, you know, from grammar school and early childhood, I have two of my friends. I'm still friends with now. We've been friends for 30 years. And then I have one who is actually still from that time period, but I only have one friend from high school. I don't have a single friend that I went to high school with. And now I'm starting to see such a difference from my first 10 years of being in New York and the difference of those people being like, wow. And, and not only people who were your friends, but then they feel completely out of your life. Like they feel like, whoa who was I even then that like we were friends do you know because you feel they feel so distant because it's not because of them or even because of conflict but you feel so distant
1: from being that being who you were at 20. You're literally not that person anymore and I think that but think about it this way right it's like you're not the person that you were 20 years ago those people are also not the people that they were 20 years ago and having some grace for that and also you know, the, not discounting the fact that we had two years of being at home isolated, which right. also that did like on a global level, I think it did a big number on a lot of our friendships. So I try but to hold on. Do you think
2: everyone changes? Because I think some people have this really tight grip on not changing and that actually creates the rupture. It's almost like this, like they're like emotionally like Paris Hilton. You know, how <laughs> she has like, she has maintained the look like she has literally been like, I don't care yeah. what trends come and go. I will like always dress the I way I look. This is my vibe, and I always say this as like Paris Hilton's, like just like owning of like her decision that she yeah, is a brand. A and it's like yeah. Well, when I know people who are like that, like. There. My dad's kind of like that, to be
1: honest. I know. I would. I would put my dad in that category, but I guess like you know, those are all changes that are external that we see, right? And I think that it's easy to just be like, okay, you look like you are the same. I yeah. and I do think that some people are a thousand percent this thing that you're saying, wedded to their narrative, they are who they are. Wedded to But their I narrative. have become, I've become like very less worried about those people than I am worried about my like, you know, I was like the only, the only thing that I can really know actually for a fact is is inside of me it's like you can't you can't know how someone else is doing but I think that yeah it's like not growing together or not evolving together is something that is very painful
0: Mm. it's
1: very hard but at the same time I'm just like growing together and changing together is also hard because sometimes that change is not you know it's not like your friend had a lobotomy and is different there are all these, like, sometimes, like, very small threats in our, in a friendship, like, Ann and I write about this, like, the big things in our friendship, we were 100%, like, prepared for, like, I was someone who, like, I experienced a lot of chronic illness, that has never been a contention point in our friendship, but in some friendships, like, that's a huge problem, it's like, oh, one of you, you know, like, somebody has mental illness, or someone has, like, a physical mm-hmm. ailment, or whatever, you can't deal with that, or somebody becomes pregnant, and you can't deal, with. those are, like, big changes. But then there's a really small change,s like, oh, actually, my friend now has a job that she has to work the night shift. And so that means that the times that we talk to each other are different. That's okay. something that I like, Anne and I always joke that one of the reasons that our friendship works so well is because she's always behind in the time zones. And this is 100% true. Like Anytime our time zones have shifted, I have a small yep. panic crisis. It sounds so silly to say, but I think that really realizing that sometimes it's those like small things that like creep up on you or even like a change in your routine or you know it it doesn't have to be like your friend has a partner that you don't like that's the thing that's like will, right. will sink you it's just being really attentive to like how how do we have to adapt all the time and how are we adapting to each other
2: well and again because there's not a lot of research or language around friendship people really don't know how to be with each other in a way that it enables you to grow together. So it's like, for example, something I've really learned from you, from how you practice it is giving grace. So you'll say if I, you know, come and I'm like, oh my gosh, you had to cancel. Da, 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 I'm so sorry. And you'll like pause my kind of frenzied, like, oh, I'm disappointed in myself. I wish, you know, my kind of fight with the reality of my circumstances, hoping I could mm-hmm. have been there on time or not had to cancel or didn't, you know, all the things. And you'll say to me like, Hey, you're managing a lot. You're, we all have a lot going on. Our lives are so busy. Like what we have to give each other is grace. You said that to me maybe five years ago. And that really impacted how I interact with truly every single one of my friends. There's probably been two things you've said to me that I've either practiced or repeated. Someone has given me advice. And one of them is, is giving grace of like, Hey, saying, I know you're busy and and giving grace when people cancel and giving grace and not taking it personally or feeling some mm-hmm. need to punish them because your feelings are hurt or, or feeling somehow good about yourself that they were disappointed because it made you feel like loved or needed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like kind of releasing the ego from the experience of somebody coming up short in like the moment as we all do. And then the other thing is I, I can't tell you how often I repeat this. I don't remember who or what I was saying to you, um, saying, asking getting your advice on about a friend and you said to me you know you just have to ask yourself is the energy I want to put into this an investment in a lifelong relationship if so what does that take what does it take if I want this person lifelong because we ask ourselves that all the time if we have kids with somebody or we're married they're our parent or our sibling we're like well listen I you know, do I want to be in relationship with you my whole life? You know, we, we subconsciously ask ourselves that every time we have a fight with a sibling and we try to mend it or just show up at the holiday. And even if we're still hurt or, you know, there's lingering, you know, negative feelings. And we never say that about friends. The other day, someone said like, One of my best friends is getting married and she asked me to be a Mm. bridesmaid and she has a bunch of us and I just really don't want to do it. It's just so not my thing. And I said that advice to her. I was like, Well, you just have to ask yourself, like, is this a lifelong friend for you? Because if so, you kind of gotta eat it and just be the like, even though it's not (laughs) your thing, if you think it's gonna upset her. You have to eat it. Like, you just gotta eat it. Like you got, (laughs) you have to say, like, this is. This is a moment, and I was like, and I guarantee you, when the ceremony is over and at the party or at the whatever, when you see this person having so much joy, you're gonna feel so happy that you offered that service that was that was do giving her the thing she wanted on her special day.
1: Especially if it doesn't cost you anything, like you know, because I think that there's a way to weaponize this and just be like, be a doormat, which is not what I'm saying at all. Like what yeah. we were saying is really, if it doesn't cost you your soul. Yes. To show up for someone in the way that they need you to, to show up for them, especially if you think that they're going to be a lifelong person in your life. And that, you know
2: and that's generosity of spirit and soul. You sit there and you say, What can I afford to give here? And 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 there there can be boundaries there, right? I said to her, I was like, you can do the bare minimum, but be in a good mood about it. And just do the thing, make the investment in your friend.
1: I know, but dude, also weddings bring out the worst in people. One of my, I think like worst friendship breakups that I've ever had was someone who was getting married and you know, like I went to college in Texas and this is not just a Texas thing, but it's like Texas weddings are like big in their own way. Yeah, yeah. And also in America, it turns out that if you are in a wedding party, you have to pay for everything. In Africa, it's the opposite. If you ask someone to be in your wedding party, you basically are the one that's pampering them. You pay yeah. for everything. You pay for their hair. You pay for their dress, their blah, blah, blah. But this friend had asked me to be in her wedding. And it was one of those like, you know, bachelorette party, like $2,000. You know, you had to wear a certain kind of shoe or whatever. And I was really honest with her that I couldn't afford it. It was just like, truly, I was like, I will not take, I, I paid my own way through college. You know, like I just, my, my parents had not help me like the whole thing. And I was really honest with her. I was like, hi, I have made a lot of financial, bad financial decisions around our friend's weddings, And I'm trying to like, you know, clean up my debt and all this stuff. And so I was like, I love you. I, I just, you know, like, I don't have the, the almost like 10 grand it takes to be in your wedding. And Which is the same, by the way. I yeah, know it's insane. It's insane. Also this is like recession money. You know what I mean? Right, like right. 2008, 2007 <laughs> recession. That's so that's like a million dollars today as far as I'm concerned because I'm mm. honest. But oh, that's oh. what that's the thing that like ruined our friendship, you know? And I remember having a lot of shame about it when I was young and then looking at it through like, you know, my more adult eyes now, I was like, wow, like I I'm really sad that I'm no longer friends with this person. But also, I was proud of myself for standing up for myself. Yeah. I was like, okay, I didn't do, like, imagine if I had taken on that debt to be in the wedding of someone who didn't like that I was poor. Right. <laughs> like, like that's but, it, but it's also like, but also imagine we didn't know how to if, communicate around it. I was going to say, and imagine so- if
2: that person could have read Big Friendship, you know, those years ago, because it's like, there's also this idea that people know how to be friends and they don't.
1: Also, everybody needs different things. Just because you and I, our relationship works in a certain way. And sure, like we have practices that keep it healthy and strong. I can't assume that that is gonna make my friendship with someone else run the exact same way. You're truly in relationships with different people. And so different people have different wants, they have different needs, they have different whatever. And that's why I think that like having grace for each other is so important, right? Because even, I think that for me, that was a huge point of understanding that I had to, I had to grow up because someone being, you know, like late or not showing up for me in the way that I wanted or whatever, like taking that super personally, I, you know, like I get it. The wounded child will always be a wounded child, but that's my own work. But at the same time, like, I think that it's a little insane to walk around thinking that people just want to hurt you on purpose. You know, it's like, imagine like, someone who loves you, they wake up every day and they go, hmm, I'm going to disappoint Cleo today. It's like, no, no one is doing that. It's like, life is busy and weird and sure. Like you can, you can adapt around it and you know, all of those things. But I think that really remembering that like everybody loves you and is doing their best and their life is just as challenging as yours is. That keeps me very honest in a lot of my relationships. Yeah. I'd
2: I'd say that there's people who I've Thought I could find connection with, and then didn't have connection with them, and based on like one single thing, which is they thought their their busy was the most important busy, absolutely, like, not. and and I really, <laughs> like and, and that's a that's such a thing though, do you know? Like I feel yeah. that people like are like no, no no my busy is more important than your busy, and mm. I think that even as a you know there's things you put on the map. Like when I had kids, you know, I had to level set some things of being like okay, there has to be acknowledgement that emotionally I have this other emotional labor I do. So the, the, whether it's like how you can show up and in what ways you can show up are yeah. different at different times and, and whatever. And, and, but the, I never treat any way that I am busy. Like it's more important than somebody else's. Cause it's so fucking annoying. Like no, it's so, it's so annoying connecting and it's so egotistical and it's like, like, sorry, like, no, you don't deserve to be late. Like be on time. Like your busy is not more able <laughs> than somebody else's.
1: Yeah. It's like, we all have, we all have the same amount of time and the time means something to us. Like something that I appreciate about you and a lot of my friends who are moms, actually, this is one thing that I cannot complain about the mothers in my life truly. And I know that that's not the experience of a lot of people who don't have kids. Is I'm like my mom friends, never make me feel that my time is not as important as their time, you know, like, sure, they like, you have two kids, when your time with your kids is precious, our friendship has had to change, it's adapted. But the time that we spend together, I never feel that it's like, less than or, you know, I was like, okay, you choose, like, your time is dominated by like, these priorities, the priorities that I have are never made to feel less important. But I think that that's also another thing that like, if you have language and you know how to communicate in a healthy way, we hear this all the time. Like, especially when I used to host Call Your Girlfriend with Anne, like people would write in and be like, my friend is married now and I I don't see her enough. Or my, you know, like my friend has babies now. and She doesn't think that my, you know, like take that I have to take is as important as like her spending time with their kids. And I was like, you know, maybe that's true, but also maybe what's happening here is that you don't have the tools to tell each other that what you want is just you're like because ultimately what you want is you're like hi our lives have a different reality how do we adapt to it and how do we still struggle with each other and if you could have that conversation in a non-threatening way then it doesn't become about the material conditions about your life anymore it it never becomes like oh your status my status this and this and that and that is something that I really mourn I think the fact that we don't have more social support in society for figuring that out you know because it's even the fact that when our friendship was like really faltering. And I remember walking into the therapist office and being like, oh, this is gonna be perfect. We're gonna break up in a very goop way, you know, like mm-hmm. we're gonna have the best friendship breakup that two friends have ever had. It's gonna be healthy or whatever. What I had not anticipated is that we would come out of therapy different friends but better friends like Mm. I love like our friendship is so you know it's like what like 15 years now we just had our friendship anniversary like this week and I don't know how to do that math but it was one of those things that I was like I I was really reflecting on it and I was like wow our you know like in some ways the friendship is the exact same like we're goofy in the same way like we like all the same nonsense but in other ways I was like wow this is so much stronger it's better I had not anticipated that at all But the thought of being like, oh, everyone who has a friendship problem, go to therapy. I'm like, no, actually, I wouldn't recommend it. Financially, I don't think it's feasible. Also emotionally, it's not what most people need. Like we were two people that that was the intervention we needed. But imagine if we had a society where like you had other resources for that. If you're struggling in your marriage, you can like go to your like other married friends and be like, hey, can can we talk about this? If you're having trouble in your family, there are other family members that you could go to. There is such a shame about, Talking about your friendship problems with your Mm. other friends, you know, in a way that like we just don't have that. And there's
2: not a culture of discussing it for reconciliation. So there's a culture in like getting sides and this person's the villain and can you believe this? And it's like a thing of like finding how you're right and in the light and how they're in the dark and they're wrong and just trying to bring everyone into your light. (laughs) Like something I really appreciate and especially my friend Lisa is very like, She's always best. looking for the point. Yeah, our friend Lisa, like she's always yeah. looking for the point of reconciliation, which I think is so incredible because as I tell her something, she'll ask me questions like, okay, well, what would what do you want? Or what do you feel is the mm-hmm. problem here? And that is so like helpful after venting to say what, okay, like I'm I'm happy I've got this out. I'm happy I have a safe space to put this, but what do I want? Do I want to end a friendship of, you know, 20 years of the person I'm talking with someone about, no, do I want to, is my problem that a boundary was crossed? Yes. Do I need to find a way to communicate the boundary? Yes. Do, do has the, you know, has the world changed or our lives changed, but our relationship hasn't changed. And like, that's what we need to try to like hold hands through. Yes. Like maybe that's it, but it's, it's really, I feel so fortunate to have friends that ask me to do something with my kind of, I call it my rattle. Like sometimes they just get really like rattled (laughs) about something I'm like, oh, (laughs) like this is, you know, and they're like, okay. So like after like shake it out kind of, but then like now what do you want to do? Because relationships are these living, breathing things. Like how do you like, okay, I could complain about the plant. But then I have to decide, like, okay, do I want to kill the plant or am I gonna water it? I don't, you know, like I've got to do something with it.
1: I know, but you know, but even having that kind of emotional dexterity, that is lifelong work, you know, yeah. because so much of that is I'm mean, like, I did not grow up having those tools. Like I no, no. <laughs> in Mine some is ways, like,
2: I'm just Oh, you're bad, you're a bad person, you're frozen out and like I'll never talk to you again. And I still struggle like with that. I My therapist was like, you've got to learn to just go around the block, not the whole neighborhood when you like take
1: the break. Wow. I love that. Go around the block, not the whole neighborhood. Yeah, I love that. But I'm also, sometimes it makes me a little like, you know, it's like speak about, like talk about having grace for yourself. It does make me really sad sometimes when I'm like, oh, wow. I have all these better coping tools now and communicating tools that yeah. if I had had them earlier in life, maybe I wouldn't have torched some like really important things in my life, you know. Mm. And but again, it's like Do you ever feel that way about a vision. friend? Do you feel like there's
2: some friendships that you
1: couldn't? I feel that way about. I have a friend from college that we used to be really close, and the way that our friendship ended, I'm really not proud of, in the sense where. I wish that we had been able to just talk it out. Like, you know, like I don't have any regrets about us not being friends. I do think that's, you know, I was like, okay, sometimes like that relationship has reached its course, but I'm really, I was really upset that there wasn't a way to be like, Oh, it's, I don't, I don't hate you. I just think that like, we don't work well together, you know, Mm. like on an emotional level, because Because I've been able to have those conversations with, like, ex-lovers, you know, where you're like, okay, like, this ended really badly, but actually, looking back on it, here's what was really going on. In some ways, I'm really jealous that, like, if you're having this, like, you know, romantic breakup, people will, like, bring you ice cream, your girls will, like, see the car with you. You're like, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a social script. You can, like, go to your boss and be like, ugh, like, my engagement just fell apart, I need a week off, you know, and that is all valid and good. If you are going through strife with a friend... and imagine going to your boss and being like i'm so sorry my best friend and i are breaking up i need the day off i don't know that people would take you seriously but that's the world that i want to live in that's the world that i want to live in because those friends those breakups have been so much harder than the romantic breakups if i'm really honest do you have any advice for a friendship breakup advice is so tough i I hate giving advice because i'm just like i still am learning i think the thing that i would say to someone who is having a friendship breakup, is that if the word toxic occurs to you at all, like you're like, this person is toxic, the first thing that you need to do is pump your brakes, because Mm. the question is, is the person toxic, or is the dynamic that you have toxic, and a lot Uh. of times, the dynamic is what is toxic, and two people contribute to a dynamic, if you don't like what's going on, it's because you're both pushing and pulling each other in a way that you're responding to. That's something that I had to unlearn. I was always like, "Oh, like toxic people. And I was like, actually, mm, like...
2: No, you're like, I'm an enabler because I was raised yeah. with, in an environment of codependence and I was yeah. the I think that like really, the hero martyr walk all over. But I, fully, you know, I think my, that
1: taking some accountability and how, you know, it doesn't mean that it's it's nobody's fault. It's not a fault. It's not yeah. a one, one-to-one fault thing. It's just really slowing down and saying like, what is it about this dynamic that I do? Yeah, because I, if you can address that, it's I
2: feel different that,
1: than calling someone a bad person.
2: I feel that way too. And I think that there's a couple of things that come to mind, which is one, whatever the dynamic may be also dictates a lot of how the breakup can occur. So like, say they're, you know, if you were friends with your boss, you know, and they're just not yeah. your boss anymore, and you don't, didn't feel that the relationship had a lot of integrity, then- yeah. Your breakup doesn't have to be high integrity in that like you're writing this really vulnerable letter of da 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 So you can say like, you know what? Actually, like this relationship can fade into the sunset for me. I do think that there's certain times where you can kind of have that type of thing. And then I think sometimes you have to meet the integrity of like yeah. the best the relationship ever was yeah. and like give that type of honesty and that type of conversation. We always have to ask ourselves like, what do I want out of this like confrontation? Do I actually think it solves a conflict? Am I actually trying to absolve myself so that I'm like definitely not yeah. the villain and hopefully the hero and if nothing else,
1: the victim? Like There are no villains and there are no heroes. <laughs> right, you know,
2: but it's like, or can I just be like, you know what? I've just got to like let it go and I'm not going to do a confrontation because yeah. there's no outcome that like makes either of us more seen where there wasn't enough relationship there to begin with you know
1: yeah and I think that that's like really taking that kind of inventory of yourself sometimes it tells you a lot of things you know because sometimes I'm like you want to have this big confrontation and you really think about it and you're like actually this person is not that close to me you know it's like do you have to have a conversation with someone that you're not close with I also think that having like utmost honesty and being as precise as you can is really important one thing that I I think really drives me up the wall sometimes with the way that like women will like talk to you about certain kinds of things, you know, like, especially if it's like gossip related or it's, you know, whatever. And, and it's just like not telling you what the deal is. It's like either just like say it, just be like, I heard like this person said this to me about this, where you can be honest than like dancing around what a topic is, because that also it adds just like confusion. And anxiety. And I think also something my brother said
2: to me recently, which I found really helpful is he was like, you can't have a confrontation with somebody who doesn't come correct. Cause it's like, they don't want to (laughs) like, he's like, you gotta, like, you gotta kind of roll through being like, yo, like I've got
1: my stuff I'm willing to own. I know. It's so funny that you say that though, because like my story of myself is that not afraid of conflict i'm a very direct person like you know i'm just like if you ask me to describe like what my conflict style is like i would say that it was that something that going to therapy with Anne and also my own personal therapy did show me is that that is not necessarily true i was like oh there are times that actually i am very conflict avoidant and that also replicates (laughs) you know like that also like replicates these like these things so again it's like if it's a work friend I'm like I don't care I could be really direct with that person but it turns out for me something that I learned for myself that was shocking I was like cannot believe I'm learning this about myself in my mid-30s is that it turns out that if I really love someone I actually become this like other conflict avoidance person mm. that that also like contributes to a breakdown of communication in some ways yeah. because it's just like it's there and you don't want to say the thing you know and also like this conversation is hard to have I think not like understanding that like, you know, a lot, there are a lot of like factors like race and class that also play out in like how you talk about it. But again, it's like, it's at the end of the day, it always is how close am I to this person? What do I want out of it? And how do I want to honor the relationship that we have? And if it is like a big friend, or it's someone that you have a lot of respect for, or someone that you're like, I want to find a way to work through it. You do like your ego just have to go out of it. Because ego is, ego is such a block and it's yeah. it blocks it blocks your blessings it blocks your yeah. thinking it like it doesn't serve you and I think that it's, that it's very is, tight too it makes it's
2: like there's no room to move there's like no flexibility there's no
1: um, I know but it also doesn't it doesn't honor I think like who we are because a lot of times it's like when I am able to like just lay my ego down seeing a situation differently that has been very humbling it's just very, very, very humbling. It's just like, well, well actually- And
2: seeing yourself as a part of it, not God, is actually critical. Because we we are so often doing all of this mm-hmm. kind of equation work. And that's a way to control not being in the equation and being the person who does the math.
1: It's a also just it. so exhausting. It's so yeah. exhausting. It's so exhausting. Like, just sitting there and trying to think how calculated a situation is or how calculating yeah. someone else is. I'm like, no... Human beings are never playing five dimensional chess. Like we're idiots. We are like <laughs> full idiots, just like hurtling into each other. And again, it's just like nobody cares about you as much as you care about yourself. So sometimes it's just like let it go. Like this is not important. What are your thoughts on how people
2: meet now? I think that's the thing I get asked the most. Is uh, you know I've and and it's it's mostly adults. I always thought that this would be the you know, teenagers question of like, how do I make friends? But it's not, it's, it's people in their thirties, forties, fifties saying, you know, I've just gotten divorced. How do I make friends now? I have a new job. I moved to a new city. I am just coming out of the pandemic where I really struggled to, you know, kind of maintain relationships as so many of us did. It was such an incredibly yeah. difficult period. I mean, I know that you and Anne kind of found your bond first over like a, kind of ritual around watching a show.
1: I think that like meeting someone, the meet cue to me is less important than the work that you put into it because right. you can meet people in any way. You can make a friend at the supermarket if you try yeah, out. Yeah. You can make a friend, like it doesn't matter. And I think Anne and I give a little bit like our, our like how do I make a friend is like very tough love actually because my organizing philosophy about this, wow well, I'm really going to out myself about this, but my organizing philosophy about people in the world is that there's two kinds of people. There are hosts and there are guests. Mm. and And a host can be a very good guest, but guests have a very hard time being hosts. Mm. And so you, like, I think that a lot of people from young age benefit a lot from, like, big group stuff that they're not understanding is what's, like, pulling them together. Like, going to school with someone or being at work or having a that big friend group that some people have when they're in their 20s or whatever but that is that's just the meat cute. that's the container if you don't keep up with people they will drift in and out of your life and so the way and Ann and i have like very similar philosophies about how you meet people we're like you have to invite people you do like in romantic relationships people say you got to put yourself out there Friendship is not different. You have to put yourself out there. We are the friend that we always buy an extra ticket to the movies in case we want to invite someone. Mm. Always have an extra ticket to the concert. It's, imagine if everyone is sitting around just waiting for someone to invite them. No yeah. one will go anywhere. Yeah. And so I think that for people in their 30s, the tough love for me is always like, I'm like, you need, you need to either find a group, like you can do that in like hobbies or you can yeah. do that in volunteering. Like, you would you,
2: would you recommend organizing? like a
1: Bumble BFF
2: to somebody or like going into like peoplehood in New York or these kind yeah, of Yeah, I
1: things? think that like for some people that is like very personality based. I think that like, if you are someone that like technology is not a hindrance to you or you don't, I think that feeling weird that tech will not give you friends is it's like, just get over it. Like, yeah. We, yeah. We have decades of uh, strong friendships that supports that, like, people can make friends. But if you don't want to do, you know, Bumble BFF or or Peoplehood, which is great, you can, it's, like, join a meetup in your yeah. community. Yeah. Volunteer for something that you care about. Organize with people. Like, join things that are already going on. You can, I know a lot of people who have made friends who are, like, playing sports. Like, a lot of, like, the sport leagues you just like meet people that you go out with or you can also do the thing where you tell you if whenever someone is moving to a new city I always tell them I'm like email all your friends and tell them that if they know someone in that new city to introduce you to them yeah like you the work is depending on your personality it's humiliating or not but you have to go you have to like constantly be moving because it's that same feeling of like you know when you're just feeling lonely even when you have a lot of friends it's like well are you feeling lonely? Are you going to sulk about it? Or are you going to go through your phone and be like, who wants to hang out with me today? Because we are not kids. Like when we were kids, our parents would facilitate this for us, but now we are people. out, (laughs) And I know that, you know, I'm saying all of this and there is like such a huge privilege to being able to connect with people. So I really want to acknowledge like how painful it is for people who, for whatever it is like shyness or like geographic reasons or whatever, like, are having a hard time connecting with someone, I don't think that it says that anything is wrong with you or that, you know, like nobody wants to be your friend. It really is a circumstantial thing. And so the way that you do that is by, it's like, you have to do the work of putting yourself out there, you know?
2: Mm. And you can do it in your own way based on what, you know, where or how you can find a way to be vulnerable. And I, I've mentioned this a lot because Cheryl Strait came on and defined vulnerability as being honest about who you are and what you're going through. And I thought mm, that, I love that. This vulnerability is critical to being and making friends. And it is truly just being honest about who you are and what you, you're going through or have gone through. And you can write, you know, you can kind of ta- like be in the comments you know, being vulnerable, talking to somebody, you can do it in like a chat, you can do
1: it on an app, you can try. Yeah, it's having a ritual, it's following up, it is creating opportunities to meet up, it is doing the planning. I when I think about like, some of the most the closest relationships I have, when I think about the early, early days of that friendship, I was like, wow, so much of what was going on here is that the other person was picking up what I was putting down. I think also like being open for people who are always saying about like not having friends. I think that you need to be really open about being friends with people of all different ages and of all like people who are very different from you. Like I I have friends who are much younger than me and I love them and I have friends who are much older than me and I love them so much. But, and they all bring different things to my life. But I think that really letting go of the idea that friendship is like a four top at brunch And a Sex in the City show. I was like, that is, (laughs) it's a miracle if you can get like four people of your age (laughs) to go to brunch on a Sunday. I was like, good for you if you can do that. But I think that if you really let go of all of these preconceived notions, anybody who is around you that you do the work of intimacy with, and they do that work back with you, like that person can be your friend, and you can let like. I love, like, just let people surprise you. Let, like, surprise yourself and let people surprise you. And I think
2: something that is also, just to add to that is, you know, in reading Big Friendship, you really see the values that you guys hold and how you define friendship and I really encourage people to say like, well, what
1: are my values around friendship?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One strand of like Greek philosophy is about how friendship is holding a mirror to a friend. Yeah. So it's like, you can't see yourself
2: yeah. unless
1: the other person shows you. And our friend Daya, who introduced me in and Anne, she said this thing that is so smart about how friendship is just sonar. It's like you're bouncing off of each other. Like you're trying yeah. to find yourself. And it's just like, where is that signal going? But I think that, yeah, so feeling safe in your relationships is really, really important. But, you know, the thing that the other person is doing for you, you have to be doing for them also in a way. Which is why reciprocity would be
2: another value. That's why your definition of big friendship, I want to, I guess, have started and end with it, is so incredible because it is this kind of container for how to look at friendship and that loving relationship and how to maintain and how to be in it. And I think that for people who are struggling either within their current friendships, where maybe the kind of relationship contract is outdated and needs new terms, think about what are your values? Write down a good friend is what? A great relationship is what? Like is it is it reciprocal? Is it respectful? Is it filled with check-ins? Is it filled with no no check-ins and a lot and a ton of grace and forgiveness for distance? Are those requirements needed by both people? In which case, you know, you, you really have to ask yourselves, is it okay that one gets something that the other doesn't? And I know that this is something we do not do because in our world, we get to constantly fill our brains with a scroll, give yourself (laughs) space to contemplate friendship and in relationship. And then that's how you, I think, find romantic relationships that function. I think it's how you find friendships that function.
1: Yeah, and I would add to that also celebrate your existing friendships. Like, if you remember the day that you met, like, celebrate that like an anniversary. It's almost like the annoying things that, like, parents did. I I have so much respect for my parents, more respect for my parents now than I did when I was a kid. In the sense that they tried so hard, you know, like, it's like they would take us on these trips. Like, my mom always wanted to take photos and, like, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, you were just trying to create memories. Like, hello. I was an annoying kid who, like, didn't know but this is what you were doing a yeah. lot of the same ritual that you have in family and romantic relationships, like adapting that to your friendship will also take you a really long way. Like yeah. it really is. It is something to celebrate. If you have known someone for a year, it's something yeah. to celebrate if you've known them for 25 years, it's yeah. something to celebrate if you've known them for a longer than them. And also like life is so short and precious.
0: Yeah. It's
1: so, so short. And I think that like having the wherewithal to just let the people in your life know that they're important to you in the ways that they're important to you, the specific ways, that also is something that is really sustaining.
2: Thanks for listening to my conversation with Aminatu Sao. I hope if you haven't already that you'll pick up a copy of Big Friendship, a book that is so dear to my heart. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Goop Podcast.